0: Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. This is part one of that series uh, that's focusing on learning how to pray in the Spirit, and this is lesson number 21. And the focus of this lesson here is the necessity of outflow the necessity of outflow. Uh, I've used these verses several times already, but we're about to use them again at least as the introduction for this lesson. And that, of course, is Jesus' words in John seven thirty-seven through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly, King James' word, shall flow rivers, shall flow rivers, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So much of uh, Christianity is focused on Jesus coming into their heart. I remember the song we sang as children in uh, Sunday school, Come into my heart, come into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Beautiful song, isn't it? It's still a beautiful song. And the sentiment of it is, is very sweet and kind and nice, but it only tells a small part of the story. And again, John four fourteen, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well in the city of Sychar in the province of Samaria, he tells her that if if she drinks of the water he has to give her, and, and, of course, in John 7, Jesus tells us the source of that water, which is him personally, come unto me. Uh, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And so people can't drink any place that Jesus isn't. So the first and foremost purpose of any gathering, whether it is a small group or a, uh, a full-blown a church service or anything in between that, where two or three are gathered, the, the purpose of any of that is for Jesus to be present because people cannot drink from him if they're thirsty, if he's not manifested there. And you say, well, of, Jesus, of course Jesus is always there. In Laodicea he wasn't. He was on the outside knocking, trying to get into their their church service. And so This is uh, critical. So he's telling the woman at the well that if she would drink uh, of the water that he was going to give them, because he said to her, give me to drink. She said, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a uh, a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Jews don't deal with the Samaritans. He just ignored her and said, if you knew who it was that was saying to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. And so later he says to her, whoever drinks of this water, the well, uh, uh, Jacob's well, uh, shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst, shall be in him a well of water, springing up unto everlasting life. And so, uh, Jesus did come in. How did Jesus come in? Well, Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the way that Jesus comes in is by his spirit. And since there's only one spirit, that the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the son of God, the spirit of the father, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God, et cetera, et cetera, is all speaking of the exact same spirit and the exact same experience. But Jesus let us know in John 7 that his focus was not on what was coming into us but on the proof of the evidence that he was in us by what was flowing out of us. And again, uh, just for a moment, I'm going to look at a couple of Greek words I've mentioned before but I I want to give you some more detailed uh, definitions here. The Greek word, for out of is the Greek preposition E-K or E-X. Uh, and it primarily denotes a point of origin. The point which action or or motion proceeds from or out of. So where is? the? Where are these rivers coming from? <coughs> he, singular, that believeth on me as the scriptures had said, out of his singular belly or uh, figuratively innermost being or literally cavity or hollow place that's now filled with this lift, this fountain of living water out of that's the source out of that's where it's coming from To It's not coming into it's coming out of now, obviously, uh, In order for the rivers of living water to flow out of us, that presupposes that the living water has already flowed into us. And how does the living water flow into us? Not through the mouth, but as we receive the Holy Ghost for the first time, he installs a fountain, a spring. King James uses the word well, but well connotates a hole in the ground that you got to let stuff down into. Now, Jacob's well was a well, but Jesus isn't giving us a well of living water. He's giving us a spring or a fountain of living water. And as I have taught already in a previous lesson, all rivers begin with either springs or collecting the rain that falls from heaven. Rain comes down on the mountains. It collects up into uh, small brooks and uh, streams. the riverlets and then into small rivers. And then into a main river that flows down to the ocean. And in the Old Testament. That's the only way they got living water. Was it flowed down upon them. But in the New Testament. The rain, the rain, it comes upon the field, yes. But in this uh, analogy, in the New Testament, the rivers of living water don't flow from the collection of rain on top of the mountains, but from that which is placed deep in the mountains. Those subterranean rivers that are obviously very mighty because most flesh fresh water that we drink originates from these kinds of springs or fountains, the mighty Mississippi river. Does it come from mountains per se, but comes from springs, several different, uh, uh, small rivers that originate in springs and then collect together and becomes the mighty Mississippi river. So Jesus is focused on this outflow, and I've already said it, but according to Strong's, the word belly, it literally means hollow or a cavity, especially the abdomen, by implication, the matrix, matrix, figuratively, the heart. Vine says that the word belly means, uh, in, uh, uh literally hollow, uh, it denotes the entire physical cavity, but most frequently used to, to denote the womb. But in John seven thirty eight, Vine says it stands metaphorically for the most innermost part of man, the soul, the heart. Uh, Thayer's lexicon says that it uh, that one of the meanings is the innermost part of man, the soul, the heart, as the seat of thought, feeling, and choice. And again, as I've taught, the word flow it means. Uh, it, it is the strengthened wor- form of the Greek word reo, it's E-R-E-O, which is the strengthened form of the Greek word R-H-E-O, which is the word most usually uh, used for to utter, to speak, or to say. So according to Vines, uh, that that strengthened form of reo, a reo, uh, is to flow, is used figuratively, of the Holy Spirit acting in and through the believer. But how? How does it flow out of us? In a stream of supernatural words, whether in languages we don't understand as the Spirit gives us this gives us utterance, or in anointed words that are originated by God and then put in our minds so that we hear and repeat what He says either in prayer or in ministering the word now with all that being said we need need to now understand this very critical thing too many believers have put a dam on their rivers they've turned themselves into reservoirs and the dam holds all this for themselves and then they they let those uh and the dam lets out enough water to keep the dam from breaking and flowing downstream. They let that water flow downstream, just a controlled amount to keep the water levels in the dam at a safe place. But it's called a reservoir, that which is reserved. Or can I tell you, the Bible would call that quenching the spirit. We were given a an, an unending supply available to us, when we were given a spring, a fountain of living water. We were never called to be a reservoir. But the problem is this. Far too many aren't even reservoirs. They just become stagnant ponds because there's only enough inflow into them to take care of the loss of water through evaporation. Now, the problem with our spirits becoming stagnant because we have no outflow is water stagnation occurs when water stops flowing. Flowing water is living water. In fact, that is one of the main definitions of the Greek word that's talking about, uh, that's translated living water. It is flowing water. Living water is always flowing water. When water stops flowing, it is no longer alive. It, be, begin, it, it automatically begins toward the stagnation process. Stagnant water can be a major vi- environmental hazard, according to Wikipedia. Malaria and dengue fever are among the main dangers of stagnant water, which can become a breeding ground for the mosquitoes that transmit these diseases. Stagnant or stalement water can be dangerous for drinking drinking because it provides a better incubator than running water for many kinds of bacteria and parasites. Stagnant water is often contaminated with human and animal feces, particular in the desert or other areas of low rain. Now, Apply all of that spiritually. When the Lord, when the Holy Ghost chose terminology, living water, and the definition of living water is flowing water. You don't think he understood all of these issues? You don't don't think he understood all this? He's one that designed it all. Certainly he understood it. And how many people not counting the ones that don't even have the Holy Ghost that claim they're they're believers, but how many people with the Holy Ghost have no flow? They don't even flow at all in praying hardly in English. So much of prayer has become religious exercise, religious obligation, a religious discipline. There's no flow in that. In fact, some people who have given themselves to that kind of prayer can essentially do that with their minds someplace else, just putting in their time. That doesn't please God. It doesn't glorify God. But worse than all of that, from your and my perspective, in the immediate case, is it allows our spirit to stagnate. And then whatever water... Or spirit in us becomes stagnant and then it carries all kind of negative things. That's why when Paul taught in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 about not fellowshipping with things that are not, not, uh, uh, pleasing to God and that we should come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, so that he would receive us. He said in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, which is therefore, uh, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Because we need to do that. God will not cleanse us against our will. We have to choose to be clean in our spirit. And part of that, of course, is repentance. But repentance takes care of what we have done or, or, the, or the condition that exists for from this point back. But what about the, our condition from this point forward? Repentance only brings us to the place. Where our water is clean again. So it can flow. Because hear me again friend. Matthew 9, Matthew 10 and verse 8 says. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely you have received. Freely give. And if you have received the spirit of God. And it's living water to you. Then. You cannot help but allow the Holy Ghost to flow out of you. That's a paraphrase, exactly what the apostles said when they were rebuked by the Jewish elders for, for bringing this man's blood upon us and preaching in our, our streets <clears throat> the name of Jesus. They told them to command they commanded them to stop and threaten them with bodily harm and potentially death that they continue to do that. And Peter and the, 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 the others with him said, "We can't stop this. We can't hold this back. You can't keep a flow of the Holy Ghost back. You can't. So if there's no flow of the Holy Ghost, it's not about personality, it's not about ability. It's not about how much knowledge of the Bible you've got. You got the flow when you got the Holy Ghost. And you didn't get the Holy Ghost. You didn't receive the Holy Ghost unless it flowed out of you. A lot of people want the Holy Ghost to come in. But what do you think speaking in tongues is? Speaking in tongues is the evidence that I'm full and that the, 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 the living water is flowing out of me. And no outflow, I'm not full of the Holy Ghost. Well, if that's true on the day I got the Holy Ghost, it's still true every day thereafter. And so many people, (laughs) that's not how they live. So many people, they've obeyed or, or they fit what Jesus said, or it was Jesus, the Spirit of God said in Jeremiah 2 verse 13. My people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed themselves out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. This This is so critical. I cannot tell you how critical this is, not just for you and your personal salvation, but for the purposes and the will and the plan of God in the earth. Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So how in the world is the kingdom of God going to be manifest to the earth if we keep all of that locked up inside of us and it never flows out, either in other tongues or anointed words of our mind? How? And according to 1 Corinthians 14, I don't have a choice to just do the anointed words of my mind. Paul said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than y'all, as I've said numerous times in this series. But he said, "What, what will I do then? I'll pray with the Spirit, that was first, and I'll pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. That's the Word of God. And Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's no option here. The idea that we have an option, I mean, over the years, people said, right, right's just a tongue talker. They meant it derogatorily, but they don't know how much of a blessing that was to me. I never, I'm not speaking in tongues. I don't pray in tongues for other people to notice. I don't pray in tongues for other people to watch. I'm not praying in tongues for other people to to have an opinion about it one way or the other. I don't care what their opinion is about it one way or the other. I'm praying in tongues in obedience to the Holy Ghost. I'm praying in tongues in obedience to the Word of God. I'm praying in tongues because it's the will of God for me to have an outflow of rivers of living water. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, singular, out of his singular innermost being shall flow rivers, plural, of living water. That's book. I don't know how any Christian ignores that, but how someone who claims to have been baptized with the Holy Ghost how do you ignore that? I don't know how. I'm not trying to be offensive here. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm trying to challenge you. I'm not tr- I'm not finding fault. I'm saying, look what you're missing out on. I'm trying to get across to you what is available to you. But the most important part of all this, it's not just for your benefit. It's because God has given each one of us a place in his kingdom. In his plan, in his purpose. And part of that plan and purpose for every one of us is that his spirit would flow out of us in Jesus' name. Living water, flowing water. Just look at, just look at four verses in the book of Revelation just to see how important living water is to us revelation 21 and 6 and he said unto me it is done i'm alpha and omega the beginning and the ending and beginning and the end i will give unto him that is a thirst of the water of life freely Revelation 22 and 1 and 2. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and a lamb, and in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare 12 manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Speaking of the eternal kingdom of God. And Revelation twenty-two and seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." This is four verses before the end of the Bible. And the Spirit, and the Bride say, "Come," and let him that is a thirst say, "Come," and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And then Revelation seven seventeen, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne will shall feed feed them and shall lead them unto fount unto fountains of living water unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. My friend, my brother, my sister, st- a stagnated spirit produces death. Stagnation is the state or condition of stagnating or having stopped as by ceasing to run or flow. Stagnation is a foulness or staleness as one emanating from a standing pool of water. There's always a smell in the spirit that comes off someone who is stagnated. You can smell it. You can sense it. I don't, I'm don't. i not being critical, but you can't be stagnant and hide it. You may think you are hiding it, but you're not. A failure to develop, progress, or advance, that's stagnant. The state or quality of being or feeling sluggish or dull. As a verb, to stagnate means to cease to run or flow as water or air, to be or become stale or foul from standing as a pool of water, to stop developing, growing, progressing, or advancing, to be or become sluggish or dull. How much of the body of Christ today is stagnant? Spiritually. Not growing. And I don't want to date this lesson but in the present crisis that we're in that has churches shut down where we can't do all of the stuff we are normally able to do. What is revealed the most here? That those who, are, who were stagnant when all of this started are in the most danger of not surviving this time because they're used to church services propping them up. Because they cease to partake of the fountain of living waters and they become cisterns. And cisterns have to be, the mouth out of which living water is supposed to flow, that's the, that's the only way they can get any water into them. They have to go to church to get refilled because they're a container, not a conduit. And when they don't have access to that, and the and the and the streamed uh, uh, live streamed services just aren't getting it done for them because it's just not the same. That's what we mean by that, you know. It's just not the same. Meaning those that are stagnant, that the only way they're getting any water in, rather than that pool evaporating, because every standing water with no source will it, it evaporates, and eventually it dries up. And so if there's not, if I don't have enough church, church to be able to get more water in me, I eventually dry up and die. So it's bad enough to be stagnant and not really have a flow, but I got something flowing into me so that the normal process of evaporation doesn't empty me completely. But what happens when I don't have any kind of inflow, like in this crisis? And I'm just not getting the same thing out of a stream service. Cause I feel weird doing in my house what I did at home, in, in the church. What happens then? You eventually die of the lack of water. Outflow produces life. Just for a few moments, consider the difference. And I've mentioned this before. In the ecosystem of the Jordan River, there are two lakes, or seas, as they're called. There's the uh, Sea of Galilee, one of the names by which it's been known, and the Dead Sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee has been fished for thousands of years, There's life in the dead in the Sea of Galilee. The at least four of the twelve apostles were fishermen full time, and they fished the Sea of Galilee for a living. And there are still commercial fishing uh efforts on the Sea of Galilee today. How can they how's that possible? It's not a huge, huge area. It's about about 50 miles long, about uh, 15, 20 miles wide. That's not exact, but it's about that. That's not huge. It's not as big as any of the Great Lakes. And yet they fish it commercially all these years. Why? Because the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River flows in one end, and the Jordan River flows out the other. So there's always life. In the Sea of Galilee, always life, always life. There's always life. But down at the end of the Sea of Galilee, in one of the lowest places, in actually the lowest body of water on earth, is the Dead Sea. Because the Jordan River and a few other small rivers flow into the Dead Sea, but there's no outflow. And it is the highest... Uh, salinity of any body of water on earth. Because all of those minerals come into the Dead Sea. But with no outflow, there's no life. There's no life. There is no life. Inflow, no outflow. Inflow, no outflow. Because the Dead Sea is so low, there's no victory there. I could use that analogy spiritually. There's no victory there. It exists, just like a lot of Christians exist, but there's no life there. And so there's, there is enough flow coming into it that the water still basically is there. But because it's such a hot area, very hot and dry, the rate of evaporation from the Dead Sea Constantly is increasing the salinity, how salty the Dead Sea is. Because all of those rivers with all those minerals, especially the Jordan River, flows into the Dead Sea. But as the water evaporates, the minerals are left behind, constantly increasing the deadness of the Dead Sea. Which are you, my friend? Which are you? Are you, are you the Sea of Galilee or are you the Dead Sea? And again, all rivers in the New Testament spiritually begin with a fountain. All rivers that come from God in the New Testament begin from those fountains right there, from right there. And so out of us flows rivers of living water. That's the will of God. That's the plan of God. So they flow out of us individually. But collectively, when all those rivers are flowing out of each one of us, when we're together, they become mighty, mighty rivers. Mighty rivers. So the question, my friend, is this. Are you willing to acknowledge that you have become a cistern just focused on containing the Lord? Because you see, when we use the terminology filled, that automatically connotates container because you can't fill something that doesn't have a defined capacity. And so if I get filled I have a capacity. And if through evaporation or use, the water level goes down, I got to go get refilled and refilled and refilled. And for many place people, that's how they started, but that's still how they're living their life in fellowship with God or primarily with the church. But that's not the plan of God, and that's not the will of God. Because he filled us initially. Initially. And in our spiritual immaturity, we may need that filling to be renewed. But we're supposed to grow in the flow of living water or flowing water where it's not being held as a container. We're not trying to contain the Holy Ghost. We are, as a cistern would do, but we're trying to be a conduit Of the Spirit of God to flow through us. Which are you today, my friend? Are you a container that is desperately in need all the time of getting back to church to getting a new refilling so that I can survive till the next service? Because I have no idea how to get refilled even on my own between services. Or have I started out as a container? but realize that it's never going to satisfy me because you can't get rivers out of a container. I've got to become a conduit for rivers to flow out of me. And so when Jesus said, he that believeth on me as scripture has said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He told us in advance, not of the beginning stage of a person receive the Holy ghost. That is the woman at the well receiving the fountain, but Jesus told us in John 7 of the mature place that we could get in God if we would just not be satisfied with being in a container so that we have our own well to drink from and that's, and nobody else can drink from our well because we're holding all this for ourselves. And the only people or things that drink from our well is those things that benefit us. But when I grow past that and I become a conduit, then it is not hard at all to see and understand how rivers plural can flow through into and out of a conduit. It's not hard at all. Now, as I close this lesson, I leave you with this thought. What is it that changes a, con- a c- container to a conduit? Well, the limiter in any container is the bottom, the foundation, the, the thing which that entire container is built around and upon. And so what is that container? Me? my soul, my life, my will. And God, in his love and mercy, gives us the Holy Ghost while that is still there. And he works with us. That's why Paul said in Romans 7 that he needed the deliverer. A deliverer from whom? Uh, He needed to be delivered from himself. And that's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, how can the faith of the Son of God be used by my flesh? Because by dying out to me and letting Christ live in me, the faith of Christ can now flow out of me to a lost and dying world. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the Spirit of God would give you hunger and thirst to reach your full potential in God and that you would, by his grace, be brought to the end of yourself and that you would let him convert you from being a container to a conduit of his mighty, wonderful, powerful Holy Ghost, that he and his glory might fill the earth. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is so. Let it be so. Amen.